Good morning again, New Life Fellowship. Friends, family, guests, thank you so much for being here online as well. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Dathan. I have the opportunity to serve here under senior leadership. Um, I do not deserve by any means to be up here. Um, But God thinks differently, so we step in and we obey and we look a fool sometimes and let him have his way. Awesome. How's everybody doing today? Good. How many of you know God speaks to you? Yeah, if you don't, he does, and you're just not hearing it. God had specifically designed us um, to hear him. He designed us to have a relationship with him when he created Adam and Eve. His design for them was to walk, talk, and have relationship with them through the garden. And we know the story. Everybody knows the story of Adam and Eve if you don't. Wow. <laughs> read, read the first two chapters of, uh, of Genesis, and uh, that'll pretty much give you the story of Adam and Eve 3. But so we know the story of Adam and Eve, and they walked with God, and they talked with God, and they had a really good relationship with God. They walked with Him in the cool of the morning with Him and talked, and we know specifically one day they decided to walk alone. Um. It's odd that either they got up super early that day or God's alarm clock didn't go off, but they chose to walk alone that morning. The one time that they weren't with God, they eat of the forbidden fruit. We know the, uh, the serpent talks to them, tricks them, says, you know, if you eat of this, you'll be like God, and they don't want you to be like them. So they were without God in that moment. They ate partake of the forbidden fruit, and... Instantly, their eyes are open. They notice that they're naked. Um, Things were different. Something wasn't right within them. There used to be something that was filled there that was all of a sudden a void. And when they heard, crazy enough, they heard the voice of God walking in the garden. They were afraid. They hid themselves. They dressed themselves. And God's, hey, where you at? What's up? Well, we heard you, we saw that we were naked, and we hid. Um, That freeness that they used to have, it was gone. Um, They didn't have, they lost something that day. That day something died inside of them. And that something is what keeps us in sync with God. You heard Pastor say it, get in sync. And I'd like to talk a little bit today about a question. Are you in sync? Not the band. Because I don't think any of you out there are in sync. (laughs) But God talks to us. Um, Immediately following the story of Adam and Eve, they get kicked out of the garden. God doesn't want them to eat of the tree in life so that they live forever. Um, They're sent out and they bear children. And just because... God removed them from the garden because of what they had done, because of anything that, like I said, I don't deserve to be up here, but God doesn't necessarily look at my past. He's not looking at my abilities, my inabilities. Um, He just says, you were designed. I have something that I can give you, that you can give away, that is just different than everybody else. And just because Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden that day didn't keep them from being a child of God. 
It didn't change how he felt about them. It didn't even take away the fact that he remained talking to them. God never stopped talking to Adam and Eve. In fact, it goes on um, to talk about their kids, Cain and Abel. And as they're giving sacrifice, the Lord is talking to both Cain and Abel. And he's talking to, I mean, Ken, maybe not. But Cain and Abel, the story is, um, God looked good upon what Abel gave. He gave his first fruits as far as he was a shepherd. He gave his first fruits, the best of his firstborn lambs, the fatted ones. And then Cain on the other end, he gave second-rate vegetables. He was a farmer. He tilled the ground. He just, he gave. Pretty much, God, you know, just accept what I'm giving you. And God didn't look well upon that. So he was a little offended with his brother, and he kills his brother. Immediately following that, God's still talking to him. God doesn't stop talking with someone who just murdered someone that he looked fair upon, that he delighted upon. God's still talking. It may seem like this was something that just happened in the Bible days. You know, it's you, God talks to other people, and he sends them to be able to talk to me. That's why I show up at church, you know, so I can go and hear a pastor speak or whomever's going to be talking because that's how I hear from God, which in reality, God wants to talk to you on a personal level. God wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want your relationship to be based on the man standing up on stage or the random person that you bump into that's, hey, can I pray with you? God wants a personal relationship with you. There are plenty of examples in the Bible regarding God's direct, personal, reciprocally commutative relationship with men. You have Abraham, Moses, Gideon, David, Paul, and the list goes on and on and on. But what about you and me? Jonah... Jonah was called to Nineveh. God told him, go to Nineveh. I want you to preach to my people there. Um, they've gone way off the deep end. And if something doesn't happen, we're going to get rid of the Ninevites. And Jonah, no, they're, they're a crazy, angry people. If I go there, they're going to kill me. If I, if I go and spread your good news, God, they're going to kill me. Eh, not doing it. So he decided to go the opposite way. And on the boat, we can know that he gets thrown in the sea. The men throw him off because he finally says, you know what, God told me to do this. I said, no, this is what I'm doing. That's the reason the storms are happening. So they throw him off the boat. Well, he's a big, large fish eats him. And uh, he spends three days in there hanging out, regretting what he did, repenting. God's talking to someone who deliberately just disobeyed him. He never stopped talking. He allows him to go back to Nineveh, and he gives the good news, and they decide to repent, and he gets angry with God. He's not happy about what he's seeing, them changing their heart, you know, turning away from their sin and turning towards God. He, he gets angry with God for doing it. God, I wanted you to strike them down. They don't deserve to be here. Oh, man, I just talked to you. You straight up disobeyed me. You don't deserve to be here. You still deserve to be in the belly of a fish. But here I am being graceful to you. Why would I not give the same grace to someone else? We're the story of Abraham. 
and how God tells him to sacrifice his only son might be the hardest thing. I'd, I honestly don't know of a story in the Bible that would be more difficult than that. I could not imagine God telling me, Dathan, you know what? Um, flee the country first because it's illegal everywhere, but take your son, find an island somewhere, and sacrifice your son to me. And first off, I'd be like, God, that, that can't be you. <laughs> How Abraham just in, in faith, all right, Lord, takes him on a journey, takes him up to the mountain, son, where's, where's the offering, God? Oh, it'll be, or father, it'll be there, son. And then he binds his son up and he sets him on the altar, and as he is about to sacrifice his son, God stops him. That's what I was looking for. I was looking for your faith in me. I was looking for you to trust me, even in the hard things. You don't see anger produced from his obedience. If you'll notice in both of the stories regarding Joan and Abraham, and then as well with Cain and Abel, the disobedience produced bad fruit. Jonah was angry with God because he decided to allow the Ninevites to live because he saved them. Cain was angry with God because of his disobedience and Abel's obedience in giving his first fruits. And Abraham, with joy, was willing to give up his only son. And we know God does, does Decides to bless him as the stars of the sky with fruit, with, his, with additional sons. His descendants just, we know that God blessed him immensely. God's not expecting you to do this well right now. We all hear him, and hearing him, like I said, is a difficult thing. You don't know if it's yourself. You don't know if it's the enemy, because hearing from God, you might not want to believe it, but the enemy talks to you as well. Whenever you start to develop a spiritual ear, you hear both, and you hear one of them a lot louder than the other. God's not screaming at you. He's not hollering. We hear in, we hear in Kings, it says, A great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, Elijah heard a still, small voice, God's voice. God taught Elijah something that day. He taught us. He demonstrated in a dramatic manner a preferred method of communication, which is a still, small voice. He's not hollering at us. I will admit on both hands and... I, uh, I get a little loud with my kids. I'm not always still and quiet whenever I'm reprimanding them. Um, I wish I could be there times. I'll surprise myself. And um, when I should be more angry than the times that something minute happens and I blow a cap, um, I surprise myself and I have grace with my children and get down on their level and understanding that they're children. And we have a wonderful Father that does that with us all the time. 
We're very blessed to have a father who is disciplines in a manner that all of us probably wish we could do with our children. God speaks to us on the level that we are with him. Sometimes he may speak to you as a child, but as you grow up, he'll start to speak to you on a, on a different level. As, as children, my, my son Brody, he's only two. I talk about my kids all the time. That's, I, I can talk about my kids all day, so that fills up the space of time that I have up here. So I will tell a lot of stories about my kids, but I live with them also. So uh, the majority, about 90% of my life is built around them, and the other 10% is built around sleeping with them. So when I sleep, sleeping, watching them or watching them sleep or sleeping myself. But um, part of our communication with them or them hearing me when they're toddlers or prior to that actually is yes and no. That's all the communication we have. Yes, no, don't do that. Stop. Get away from that. And they don't really understand us, but they're hearing something and they kind of get a gist of, man, dad keeps on saying, don't do that. Don't do that. I wonder what that. So they'll. They'll stick their finger in the light socket, and you'll stop them, and they'll be like, why are you stopping me? Because nothing happened. So they'll do it again, and you'll stop them. Eventually, they'll get the hang of it, yes and no. And then they grow up a little, and you start asking them to do something a little more difficult. That's where God's asking us to trust him in the hard times as well. When um, Before my daughter or son he doesn't swim yet. He swims with floaties. My daughter's learning to swim. But um, they want to go jump in the pool, and they're, they're cool with jumping off just the edge, you know, about six inches into the water. And uh, being a dad, and being a dad who had a dad who loved to throw me about 15 foot in the air, and if you land on your back, you land on your back, hey, you should have controlled that. Your aerodynamics aren't working quite right. Quit flinging your arms. I threw you right. You landed wrong. So... Um, being a son that grew up with that, I wanted my children to have the same opportunity to have red back and belly flops and stuff as well. So um, naturally, I gave them the opportunity. And I would ask my daughter, trust me, if you'll just let me throw you the right way and you just relax, I promise you'll land the way you're supposed to. And then it turned into back flips and front flips and no, daddy, no, 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 no. Just trust me, please. I want to do this. I want to see it, and you'll love it. Do it the first time, and they come up out of the water. Yes! Excited about it. Do it again. Do it again. After about 20, 30 times, it's like, okay, give Daddy a break now. You know, you're, I'm not as strong as I used to be, and you're not as light as you used to be. So they start trusting, and they start hearing what I'm saying and putting trust together with what I'm saying as well. They start to mature. They start to grow. Part of what we look for whenever we come, you may have come looking, actually you did come here looking for something today. And first thing you think of when God, God talks to me, how am I going to hear him? You know, I've got to change this. I've got to change that. I've got to do this better. I've got to... If you haven't been here in the last couple months, you'll hear there's nothing, absolutely nothing to prove. Pastor preached on it last week. You have absolutely nothing to prove to God. God designed you and created you specifically to be able to accomplish everything that he has for you. He designed you to carry him. 
He designed you for communication. He designed you for relationship with him. You may think I need to change the way I act, the way I talk, the things that I do. God's not asking you to change at all. In fact, what he's asking you to do is to grow. Change follows growth. Growth produces change. If you're looking to change, the best thing you can do is start to grow. And I promise you, change will follow. Growth is painful. You remember your teenage years or your preteen years? Shin splints. I don't know any of you, if you grew six, seven inches in a year, it is painful. Um, I was a little dude for a long time. I had a brother who was six foot one when he was probably 11 years old. And when he was 11, I was 10. We're really close in age. And I was rocking 5'2", maybe, at 10. And I rocked 5'2", for quite some time. Finally grew to about 5'4", 5'6", 16 hit, 16 and a half. And I hit 6'2", by the time I was 17. And that hurt. Oh, my God, it hurt. But it was necessary. You'd think that I changed from my infancy to now, but no, I've not changed at all. I'm the exact same person I was when my mother birthed me. The difference is I grew. I look different, absolutely, but I grew. I didn't change. I am who I was. I am who I am. I am exactly who God created me to be. I'm exactly how God created me to be. So you might ask, What are the steps to take to getting in sync with God? And again, I, I said it starts with growth, starts with maturing. It starts with moving from being a child into being an adult in the spirit. How many of you have ever seen um, a fully grown, developed cow? or bull, go up to its mother and start nursing. Never seen it. Because they've matured. They've grown. In fact, a mother will kick its calf away at a certain point in life. There becomes a certain time when a cow recognizes that milk is no longer good for its calf. That it needs more to survive, it needs more to grow, it needs more to mature, and the milk just isn't cutting it out anymore. We had a cool creative team meeting this past Friday, and we got to discuss this a little bit, but if a cow were to continue to nurse for the remainder of its life, it would never reproduce. For one, it probably wouldn't live very long because it'd become malnutrition, but if a cow, if a calf continued to just drink milk, in time, it would wither away and die of malnutrition, but it could never reproduce. Even a cow knows when it's time to start developing, start growing, and start eating. Well, they don't eat meat, but start eating some hay, some nutrition, getting some vitamins, getting something a little more than what was necessary when they were smaller in the early development stages. The same way we need to learn 
that, hey, you know what? We can't expect to always just receive the good stuff, just the little, hey. We need to learn to eat meat. We need to learn to grow. It's, again, it's not easy, and it is painful growing. But you see, kids, when they're younger, the natural desire of a child is to be like mom or dad. My son, again, he's two years old. Um, he probably loves life right now, uh, but at the same time, he wants to be like daddy. He wants to be big like daddy. He wants to wear daddy's shoes. He'll go put my shoes on, and he'll struggle walking through the living room, tripping, and I'm like, go take my shoes off, son. You can walk better. Go kick them off. So he'll kick them off. But our natural instinct is to be what we are not. Our natural instinct is to grow up. Children, again, when they're smaller, they know mommy and daddy is over there. I'm over here. I can't walk just yet, but I just saw my little brother or sister get up and run over to mommy and daddy. I want to do that. How do I do that? And they will slowly learn to walk and grow, run to mommy and daddy, and what's next? I want to cook in the kitchen with you. Give me the knife. We'll start with a whisk here. And slower, you're making a mess, but... We'll start small, but they always want to be like mom and dad. They want to grow up, and it's a process. They don't want the process. The same way that we don't really care about the process. We all want to be, maybe you don't, I, I never wanted to, but we all want to have what pastor has, have what the man of God has, have what the prophet has, have, you know, we want that. We want to be the CEO of the company, not really realizing what it takes to be the CEO of the company, or even how to get there. But we always want that, but we don't want to take and go through the process of getting that. It's hard. Could you imagine a God that didn't expect you to grow at all? He was okay with you just living the easy life, could you imagine God saying to you, you know what, I want you to step out onto the streets and I would love for you to just walk up to a random person, pray for them right now, and see a miracle. Uh, God, I don't know about that. Uh, that's, that's a little out of my comfort zone. I, I'm not cool with it. And God saying, oh, you know what, you're right. That's okay, let's not do that. Why don't you instead go into the gas station, purchase a lottery ticket, and uh, we'll get you some money today. Absolutely, God will go do that. And you walk up, bam, millionaire instantly. Thank you. Jesus. Oh, God, you know, we're, we're, we're tight. We're close. Oh, love you, God. We got this thing going on. We got a great relationship. All right, so um, why don't you take that money and uh, give it to the church? Well, let's put it to good use. <laughs> I don't, mm, that's a little much for me, God. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Go buy that house that you've been wanting. Go buy that car. Go get the. Sounds good, God. We got this thing going on. We've got this good little relationship going on. Could you imagine a God that was like that, that was okay with that? The same way we have relationships with others. You have relationships where you're constantly trying to please each other. And the relationship never really develops. God's not asking us to please each other. He wants relationship, and relationship is difficult. Relationship is sometimes hard. If you're not married, if you're, well, everybody here who is married, you know what I'm talking about. It hasn't been easy. 
You know, if you make it to 50 years these days, if you make it to 20 years these days, it took work to get there. It took work to get out of year one. It took work to get into five. It took work to get into 10. It's, it doesn't stop. If you want it to continue to work, there's constantly growth happening in relationship. Growth never stops in relationship. Relationship gets easy because there's an understanding and there's been development that happened and you've been willing to go through the, through the process of the tough times, enjoy the wins, enjoy the easy times, but knowing the tough times will come and being okay with pressing through, having the hard conversations, and building that relationship. That's what strengthens relationships. That's what God's looking for in us. Sometimes God will talk to you specifically for you. Now, we always get excited about hearing something and wondering, man, is this you, God? Is this not you? And man, if we're feeling good about it, God will tell us something, man, that's got to be you, God, and we'll rush off to tell somebody about it. Sometimes God doesn't need you running off and spreading all of his business. Sometimes God speaks to you specifically for you. An example of that, and I know nobody here has done it, but it happens in church all the time. God told me that you're going to marry so-and-so. What? Um, you do realize that we absolutely hate each other, right? Oh, but God said you're going to, no, and I'll prove it. I'm leaving. I'm gone. And what God was really looking for in that moment, he was looking for you to grow, seeing that happen down. He didn't ask you to run over there and blurt it out. It was more of a, hey, watch what I'm going to do. Check the relationship out that we have. Watch what I'm going to do. And down the road, God, you're amazing. You're awesome. There's no way that could have happened without it being you. That was for your growth. And, and we can sometimes really mess some stuff up. Being God's mouthpiece when sometimes God just wants that intimacy with you. Having that with God, we, we hear from him regardless. God's talking all the time. But the relationship starts when you get alone with him in intimacy. We have relationships outside. I have a ton of relationships. I hang out with a lot of people and it's great. But I notice that relationship really develops and gets stronger whenever I spend one-on-one -on -one time with someone. And God's looking for that as well. He loves, I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm the biggest fan of community. So you will never tell, you will never hear me say you need to get away from everybody. You go, go run out to the mountains, spend a couple years. You will never hear me say that. But God is looking for some intimacy with you. Like I said, I hang out with a lot of people and it's great and it's needed, it's necessary. There's a certain type of relationship that I can get from it, and to be honest, God loves watching his kids play together. God's not looking to see any one of his kids sit in a corner and play with a stick all by themselves. He loves to see us playing with his other children. But he needs that intimacy. 
He needs that relationship. He's looking for that relationship. As I was saying a little earlier, it's hard for us to sometimes want to grow up and to be like mom and dad or to grow in maturity spiritually or whatever because it comes with accountability. And sometimes you don't want to necessarily hear God because if he's asking you to give it away, what if I wasn't hearing you, God? You are responsible for what God is giving you to give to someone else. Like I said, me being up here, this is the scariest thing ever. I hope we graduate to second grade this week. Because last time I spoke, it was on a first grade level. And I said, I, I figured out a way how to get out of every presentation from first grade to through the college that I did do. But a part of that is having to give something away. What if I'm giving the wrong information? What if I'm not giving it away exactly how it needs to be received? What if I'm saying something that might be taken the wrong way? God, I don't know if I can deal with that. I don't know if I can handle that kind of pressure. Well, if God's given it to you, the pressure shouldn't be on you in the first place. The pressure falls on God. You want to try him? Give away what he's given to you to give away. Do not give away what he has not given you to give away, but give away what he's given you to give away. That's a lot. But give it away and then try him. You know, if you're receiving something from someone from God, that's a lot too. Try him. God loves to prove himself right. He's never been wrong yet. Why would he start being wrong now? You don't have to walk alone in the process of growing and hearing. Mentorship is another form of relationship. And mentorship, like it has accountability to it, it's hard. You want, you want to walk with somebody and allow them somebody that's already walking and hearing with, from God and really in sync with God, find a mentor. Find somebody to walk with you through it. Find somebody to bounce off what God, I'm telling you, God is going to confirm things through others. He does it all the time. In fact, sitting through service last week, I was like, why am I even getting up here today? Dad pretty much said everything I wanted to say. Now it just looks like I'm going up there and copying him, so I had to wash my board and start over. But God confirms. He's, he's, not, he's not trying to make us look like fools. God, God, God wants you to be okay with giving away what he has. He's, he's not wanting you to be afraid of it. He's wanting you to trust him with it. So if you're wondering how, how do I navigate this? How do I, how do I get better at it? Mentorship is a really good way of finding out what God's saying bouncing it off of somebody else that's hearing from God. God wants a relationship with you, but he wants you to want a relationship with him. I don't think any one of us really care. I mean, maybe some of us want a relationship with somebody who could care less about us. 
But to have that reciprocation strengthens a relationship. In fact, you can't have a relationship with someone who doesn't want to have a relationship with you. It's impossible. It just won't happen. You can do everything within your power to try and force someone to love you that it just can't happen. God's not going to force you to walk with him. He's not going to force you to have a relationship with him. But he will ask you to follow him. He will ask you to come along. He'll speak to you and ask you to do a certain something, but he's not going to force you to do it. He's a gentleman. We serve the most awesome God. We have the best daddy. Expectations are there, yes, but they're not forced. Like, I mean, with everything that he did do, I mean, for us to be here, for one, for him to create us in his image at that, and not force us to be robots, not force us to have relationship with him. You know, I could, uh, if I wanted to, I could go change my name. I could move to a different country. I could do everything I could to push my parents away, but never, no matter what, will I ever not be their son. I can do nothing to not be my parents' son. I can't push them away enough either. I don't think I could get my parents to not want me to be their son either. I said, if, if you heard my testimony, you know, I went out and did my thing, and my parents still loved me. My parents never gave up on me. My parents never stopped allowing me to be a son. They never took privileges away from me that a son has. They never shunned me, even though they probably should have. Um, they let me choose to to walk away at times but I had I had parents who sometimes tried to force me to do things and in my ignorance I proved that I didn't have to do those things and looking back today somewhat regret it but at the same time I'm grateful for the lessons I've learned but I have parents that will always be my parents and I will always be their son regardless of the decisions that I make moving forward God wants that with you as well. God wants to be wanted. He wants you to desire that relationship with him. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to hear and he'd love for you to obey, but he's not going to force you to. It won't be fun. It won't be easy. You may think that, oh, if you're not, if you're not doing these things, you go do your own thing. There's always going to be that emptiness inside of you as we talked earlier that would died in Adam and Eve that day. That emptiness will always be there. I uh, spent some time with my kids yesterday at uh, Mr. Gaddy's. We had a birthday party. And um, I'm walking around with my son. My daughter, she goes and does her own thing. She's seven. She's going to do what she wants to do. But my two-year-old hangs out with dad, and he wants, I'm going to use his card because who knows what he'll do with it. He'll lose it. Uh, we finally got all the tickets on, and he's trying to get rid of it. And I was like, that's how you get your prize, son. But we're walking through Mr. Gaddy's playing games, and my son had a prize in mind that he wanted. And I was like, okay, well, this is how we do that. Come, come with me. Follow me. Let's go play these games because that's how you get the prize that you want. And in that, there's all the distractions going on. There's 
all the other bright, fun-colored video games, the race car games. He's huge on race cars right now. Race cars, motorcycle. And he wants to ride. Well, son, you can't win a prize with that. You just take a ride and you're done. Fine, we'll play that game. I want that, Daddy. Okay, well, come this way and we can get that. Oh, got to do this game. Okay. We were able to do a few of the games that I recommended to him. But everything else was distracting him from getting what he was wanting, getting what he desired. It's funny how God talks to us through our children. We go and we get a piece of candy. I think he got some slime. He's happy with it. It wasn't what he wanted, but he was happy with it. And it was, son, if you just spend a little time with me, going where I'm telling you, we could do exactly what you're looking for. We get home that evening, and uh, I'm exhausted from a full day. I wasn't feeling well. And we get in bed. The lights are off. And then it's also funny how God talks to you through your children in the reverse way. My son grabs my face in the dark. Daddy, daddy. What, son? I love you too. I love you too, son. Daddy, daddy. Grabs my face. Pitch black in there. He can't see anything. I love you too. I love you too, son. Do it again, daddy. No, 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 no. Daddy's tired. Do it again, daddy. No, daddy's tired. I'm going to sleep. I have to get up at 4.30 to study. Do it again, daddy. No, son, I'm tired. I'm too tired. Don't want to do it. My son passes out. God starts talking. You remember what your son was doing whenever you were trying to get his attention to come over here? promise I'm going to get up here one day and not cry. The relationship that your son is looking for now is the relationship I want with you. Nothing's distracting him in that moment. It's just you and him. I want that with you, son. He kept me awake for Goodness, at least hour and a half or two. And yeah, I said, my son passed out, like I said, he's snoring, and then I start crying because I was too busy for him because I was tired, and now I can't even go to sleep because God starts talking about exactly what I'm supposed to be giving away that I'm not even practicing very well myself. Like I said before, we may not do this well, but God's not asking us to do this well right now. He's just asking us to get a little better every day. Grow a little better every day. All my son wanted was a little attention. Daddy, I love you. Father, I love you. How do you get in sync with God? That emptiness has to be filled. And that spot that's reserved inside of you cannot be filled with money, fame, objects. 
What died that day in the garden was the spirit of God that was inside Adam and Eve. Yes, they had a soul. They have their own spirit. But the spirit of God that was residing inside of them was no longer there. If you really want to get in sync with God, it requires baptism and being filled with his spirit. He's not going to stop talking to you just because you don't have his spirit in you. But if you've ever heard or seen an, a video and the audio is slightly off by like a half second, you get a part of the message, but there's a distraction there that's just got you off enough. You're so caught up in, man, his lips aren't syncing up with what he's saying. And it's aggravating. It's just like, ah. And you've become distracted by that minute little thing that you can't even get the whole message. You get bits and pieces. And then when it's all said and done, you're like, oh, man, I, like, I missed that. Well, what just happened? I was so caught up in it not pairing up right. Being filled with his spirit will get you back in sync with him. Whether you're here today seeking relationship for the first time, if you're reconciling an old relationship, or if you're even strengthening the current healthy relationship that you already have with him, today is as good a time as ever to rekindle, again, to start fresh, or to just strengthen that. If you would go ahead and stand with me, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come down today. You don't have to. I understand God can meet you exactly where you are. But if you're looking to get back in sync with him or get in sync for the first time, I know you hear him and sometimes are confused by what's being said, the thoughts that are coming through. God, is that you? Is it me? Am I really hearing you? Do I even hear you? I don't even know if I hear God. I promise you he's talking to you. It may not be an audible voice. It may not even be that whisper that we discussed. It may be a feeling. But there comes a knowing. For some reason, when you know, when he gives it away, you just know it. It's not, there's no question about it. You just know it. If you want to take the opportunity today to fill that void that's in you, if you want to be filled with his spirit, if you want the kingdom that resides in you, as pastor says all the time, when you arrive, the kingdom is here. If the kingdom inside of you is empty right now and you want God to reside inside that kingdom, if you want his spirit inside of you so that you're hearing him clearly, you're getting the full message, feel free to come down. We have prayer partners that will join with you. We have life changers. Again, if you want to stay in your seat, there's no requirement to move at all. God can meet you exactly where he's at. At home online, God can meet you exactly where you're at. There are no requirements, but God wants you to grow. God wants relationship with you. God wants to be wanted. Father, I want you. If no one else, I'll commit today 
Things aren't going to be the same. I don't plan on changing, but I do plan on growing. And if you want to join with me today, feel free to make your way down. If you want to stay where you are again, I completely understand. But God wants to meet you up here. God wants to meet you out there. God wants to meet you at home. So I'm opening the invitation for you at this time. Guests, thank you so much for being here. If you need to leave, feel free to do so. But we're going to take a little bit of time today, if not longer, to fill that void, that thing that's inside, that emptiness that's just got you wondering, why am I here? What, what's my purpose? Like I said, we've been talking about it for a while, but God wants to answer those questions. And a good way to get those questions answered is to be in sync with his voice. And the way to get in sync with him is to be filled with his spirit. Again, if you want to be baptized, we have our baptism team that would be more than happy if you're worried about your clothes getting wet. We've got robes for that, so don't worry about it. But this time, I just welcome you to give yourself completely to God, to open your hearts up, to take that empty spot and fill it with what he has, fill it with his spirit. You don't have to go home the same today. Yes, you'll be the same person, but you have the opportunity to grow today and allow change to follow that growth. 